we are in the sermon series on David. Now, I want to share a couple of things because this is probably one of my favorite messages and it's been brewing in my heart. And so I feel really bad that first service, I didn't quite connect like I wanted to. So I'm going to do my best and, and I would love your help. And we're talking about David's mighty men. And you say, Pastor, but that's not kind of where we left off, is it? We left off with Saul chasing David. Saul consults a median, a witch, a fortune teller, someone that tells the future. How many of us know that is strictly forbidden in God's word? Strictly forbidden. It brings what? Death. It brings death. Let's just state it that way. And can I share something with you? Um, I try my very best to speak the truth from this platform. And I know sometimes it's not always convenient to hear. It's not always convenient to say. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes you may not agree with it. But, but I'm going to do it based on God's word. And God's word tells us that that sort of thing brings death. Now, you may not agree with it. You may say, well, I've, I've, I've encountered that. I've done it. I've reached out to those sources. I practice reading my horoscope. I do these things. Can I tell you, you're headed towards death. You're headed towards death, and it's by God's grace that it hasn't happened. So he consults the median, he consults the witch, the very next chapter, or very shortly after, he dies. Very next battle, he dies. And so God's word is true. You say, but pastor, what do I do if, if I've dabbled in that? And the reason I'm bringing this forth is because it's all over our society. Everywhere, you can look I mean, every TV show is talking about the supernatural and these demonic practices. And God says it has nothing to do with it. And so if you've done it and opened the door, this is what needs to happen. You need to say, Lord, I realize it's wrong based on your word. And I confess my sin. I turn from my ways, meaning I'll never do it again. Forgive me. As you close that door and wash me in your blood, Jesus Christ. That's what needs to happen. Now, if you're here today and you say, well, I don't know if I, but that's between you and God. But I'm telling you the truth. Amen. Now, David, we're, we're going to cover 2 Samuel 23 and 1 Chronicles 11. You say, Pastor, that doesn't really follow in chronological order. Why did you skip to the end? The reason I'm skipping to the end is because when he talks about his mighty men, it's in a chapter, 2 Samuel 23, is a chapter where David kind of talks about his reign and how he wants to be remembered and the stories of the mighty men. No one really knows exactly where they fit in. Some of them fit in in the period which we've been dealing with. Where David is on the run from Saul. This is where the mighty men first came to him. Does that make sense? Now can I tell you that chapter 23 starts this way. These are the, uh, excuse me, I don't have it up there. So we'll just leave the slide. Let me, let me just read it based on what God, God's word says. And if you have your Bible, you can follow along. These are the last words of David. Does that mean they were words from his deathbed? No. No, they were not. More than likely, these are the words that he penned to include how he wanted to be remembered. 
And so he says things like this. He says, I was the, the son of Jesse. I was anointed by the God of Jacob. Jacob is another word for Israel, the God of Israel. Amen. The spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue and in my heart. Isn't that beautiful? And then he goes on to say, he blesses the, the one who rules over his people in righteousness. Now, is he saying I was righteous? No, he's saying I tried my best to be who God called me to be. And God filled in the gaps. God's grace covered it all. God did it. And he goes on to praise God. God is like the morning sunrise. He's like the brightness of the sun after the rain that brings grass from the earth. He brings life is what he's saying. If my house were not right with God. Now why is he saying if my house were not right with God? This is what he's trying to get to us. It's by God's grace. He's highlighting one of his weak spots. He's saying look at my house. Look at all the turmoil and the and the problems that took place in my house. You say, Pastor, I'm not that familiar. You're going to be, as after we cover his mighty men, we're going to go into David's life. And you're going to see all the imperfections and all the struggles and how his children and, and the problems he had as a father and the problems he had uh, with, his, with his boys and with his girls and all of the things that happened. Now, why is he highlighting this? Because David is saying, look at my house. It looks great but it's great because God made it great. You know my problems. And it wasn't, if it wasn't for his grace, I wouldn't be here. Is anyone here can give testimony today and say, Lord, if it wasn't for your grace, I don't know what I've deserved. I don't know what I've done to deserve being carried by grace all my life. That's what he's saying. And so this is how he starts. And then he goes into... Verse 8, where he talks about these mighty men. And today I've entitled the message, Uncommon Valor. Because you're going to see some exploits. And so I want to highlight some things about these mighty men. But first I want to tell to you about valor. Valor is honor plus dignity. If you're taking notes, right? Honor plus dignity. That means it takes both. Someone said it's gallant bravery, heroic strength, especially on the battlefield in the face of danger. So it's not necessarily the absence of all fear. It's in the midst of all the danger, still doing the right thing. Now you might say, Pastor, but this doesn't apply to me because I'm not a warrior. Do you realize that the Bible says that you are in a battle? Now you have two kinds of people. You have the kind of people that realize they're in a battle and the ones that don't, but they're both in the battle. Can I tell you, if you realize you're in a battle, will you fare better than if you are completely ignorant that someone is trying to kill you? And that someone is the enemy who's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God so that you may stand your ground against the evil one. You know, I find it interesting that he uses, he, 
Paul includes that in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians is the same book where he says, for by grace you have been saved. And it's through faith. Not of yourself. That means you cannot take credit for it and brag before God or anyone else. Look what I've done. Look how good I've been. Isn't this what David is saying when he starts off his last psalm, so to speak? And he says, this is how I want to be remembered. Look at my house. Look at my life. Look at all my shortcomings. It was because of God's grace, because God loved me, because God did. And then he goes into these amazing exploits, these things that these men did. And so I want to highlight that because the word, in this chapter, the word exploit is used some three or four times. Exploits. What is an exploit? It's a mighty move an accomplishment, a valiant, a valiant act of heroism, of heroism. And here the Bible is saying you have been saved to do such a thing. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself, that no man may boast in in God's presence. For you are Christ's workmanship, masterpieces created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? To do good works, to do these mighty exploits that he has created for you to do before the beginning of time when he saw the reason he would die on the cross and it's you. And it's you, you go, well, how do I do it? How do I do it? The same way these men did it. You walk by faith. They walk by faith and not by sight. You're going to see in every one of these stories, if they had been using their physical eyes, they would have run. But instead, they used their spiritual eyes. Come on, how many of us know there's a time coming and has now come when those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth? May must worship in spirit and in truth. If you want to honor God, you're going to have to honor him in your spiritual sight, not with your physical sight. To walk in faith, to say, Lord, if you said it, I believe it, Lord. If you said it, I believe it, God. And I stand upon your truth. So I want you to look out for the word exploits. Let's start off, amen? 2 Samuel 23. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Joshab, Bashibeth. He was the chief of the three. He raised a spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Hello, Anyone look at that and say, what? This is uncommon. This isn't a run-of-the-mill guy. I'm just going to let that sink in. In one battle, he killed 800 men. And David says, he was my chief. He was the top of the top. And next to him, he says, verse 9, was Eleazar. In the New King James, if you're reading in the New King James, because you know that's what I like to read, even though today I chose the NIV. He says, Eleazar, son of Dodo. Can I just say, if you have a name like Dodo, your father's name is Dodo, you're going to have to be tough. (laughs) Am I right? I mean, you're going to have to be tough. And so he was tough. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Pasdeum for battle. Then the Israelites retreated. What does it mean, retreated? 
In the Chronicle version, it says that they, they departed, they left, they, they retreated from the battle. But let's keep going. But Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Let's keep going. Verse 13, I'm going to jump down. Say, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam. While a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of the Rephaim, meaning the valley of the giants. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines drew water from the well near the gate at Bethlehem and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. It is not, is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their own lives and David would not drink it? Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. The three mighty warriors. Can you feel your blood pumping? Can you ask yourself, Lord, what would it be like to do exploits like this for your great name? That I may be a mighty warrior, whether you be a man, woman, or a child, or a youth, or a young person, to say, Lord, use me. I got one life, one life to live for my king. Let me do an exploit for you, God. Let me do mighty exploits for you, God. Let me have the faith to walk, God, and to do what you've called me to do. Amen. You know, it's been said. Well, I'll get, I'll get back to that. Let's keep reading. I, I promised myself I would read the whole verse and then preach. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. There's that word again, great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and he killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian, a giant. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and he killed him with his own spear. That's just cool. I mean, right? That's just cool. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. He too was, a fam- was as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in greater honor than any of the 30, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. We'll talk more about that in a while. But first, I want to highlight that in every one of these stories, we covered four. You'll see three basic things that... that, that that are responsible or could define their uncommon valor, and that is commitment, that is loyalty, and that is courage. Oh, this is what's needed more than ever in the church today. This is what's needed in Christendom, that men and women would rise to their calling. I believe this is one of the reasons why there's so much struggle with so many of these emotional challenges that we're facing. And that's because we don't have the peace of God. Do you know peace is one of our, is one of our birthrights as Christians? 
Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. But we think that peace, listen to me, is dying safely in our bed. That's not peace. We weren't called to value safety above all things. We're called to march, to adventure, to to expand, to accomplish, to do exploits for a mighty king. There's something in us that that beats for that. Our heart beats for it. And so many people have no peace because they haven't encountered the purpose of Jesus Christ. What gives your life meaning? You know, there's been so much talk that if you want to live a fulfilled, amazing life, you have to have meaning. And people are addressing it from a secular standpoint. You have to have meaning. People are chasing meaning. Can I tell you what meaning is? Meaning is purpose. And you were created for a purpose on purpose. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And he's the existential example of being and purpose and and how you live to the fullest. And that's why he came and said, I've come to show you how to have life in the fullest way possible. And part of that is to what? To march with your sword in hand and expand God's kingdom. And experience new things. And to challenge yourself and to be challenged. And to go and fight some giants and lions. And and to do what you thought was impossible. But only finding out that with God all things are possible. And to say as Paul said. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, I'm telling you. I really believe. So many of these, these challenges that we're facing would go away. If we would just get on purpose and start experiencing the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit empowering us to go beyond ourselves. To first challenge ourselves to be who we're called to be so that we might bless others. And in blessing others, bring God glory. And bring Him glory. Come on, when I read that, I am quickened in my heart. But I sit and I read and I go, Lord, I don't want to just read. I want to do something similar. After all, this is why you give us the stories in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. The Bible says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. To teach us what? So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures... And the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Hope of what? Hope that this isn't just for them, it's for you too. But pastor, I'm not a warrior. I've just told you, you're a warrior. You are in a battle against the enemy. There's still new frontiers. Every day the enemy brings forth a new battle, a cultural issue, a cultural battle against truth, something that challenges our faith. And you have the, the awesome privilege of being on the front line and doing something great for the king. You say, oh, how so? In the way you raise your children, in the way you mother and father them, in the way you stand for the principles of God's word and show the example to the world of what a real family is based on goodness, based on something solid and lasting, based on a wife 
and a husband coming together and being true to one another and forgetting the philosophy of this world that doesn't work and they keep trying to cram it down our throats, but we should stand on truth. Do you feel like a warrior now? This is what I'm saying to you guys. These stories are there for our purpose. Let's take them one by one. Joshib Bashiach. If you take his story, you might be tempted to say, but, but 800 men, could that really happen? Can I just highlight something for you? This isn't Lord of the Rings. Or it's done on a movie studio with props. This isn't gladiator, something done in Hollywood. No, this is God's word. And if, it's said, if God said it, it, it happened. It happened. And this man is forever chronicled and given honor because of what he accomplished for his king. For his king David. Now watch what it says. These are the names, right? He was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. One of the versions gives, gives his nickname in the, in the, uh, in the uh, passage in 1 Chronicles 11. His nickname, he was called Adino Esnite. I go, what is Adino Esnite? That just sounds like a cool nickname, doesn't it? A dino as night. You know, my name is, uh, uh, what, what was it? What was his name, guys? You remember? Joshib Beshebeth. Joshib Beshebeth is kind of, doesn't have the same ring as a dino as night. I want to be a dino as night. You know, I can, I can, I can see it now. You know, what does it mean? It reminds me of, of, I'm watching football and some of these guys have nicknames and one of the guys' nickname was Quick Six. And they go, I wonder why they call him Quick Six. Well, that's because as soon as he touches the ball, he scores a touchdown and that's six points. And before you know it, he puts six on you every time he touches the ball. I thought, wow, Quick Six. Listen. His name literally means whose pleasure is the spear and his skill is the spear. He was known by his weapon. How awesome is that? It means a spear to be mighty, strong, stiff back. That we would know, be known and have a, have a nickname called stiff back. What does it mean to be stiff back? To have a spine. To not wave and waffle, but to stand on God's word and to say, you know what? I will not bend. I will not bow. I will not compromise who God is to me. Oh, man. And God gave him power. How about Eleazar? Eleazar, verse 9. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodo. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered and passed the for battle. Then the Israelites retreated. Can I tell you, there's going to be a time in this world where people are going to leave you. And a time is coming and has now come. Where there is a falling away that we will go through before Christ returns. 
Why do I know that? What do I mean by the falling away? Think about it. They're there for battle. The Bible says in the other passage, there was a field of barley. There was a field of barley and the Philistines were coming. They were outnumbered. And so some of the Israelites began to retreat. And as some retreat, more retreat and more retreat and more retreat till, till, till David alone was left with Eleazar. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians. Let no one deceive you by any means. For the day will not come. What day? The day of the rapture. The day of Jesus' second coming. Will not come until what? The man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition. So the Antichrist is going to come. Then Jesus will come. But before the Antichrist comes, there will be a what? A rapture. The church will be taken up. But there's something I've missed purposely because I want to highlight it. Watch. Unless the falling away comes first. Now the word falling away in the Greek is apostasia. Apostasy means a rebellion, a falling away from truth towards sin and a lie. Do we see that happening today? Do you see people leaving what is truth? Do you see people, what, excusing sins and, and, and saying, you know what? Let's not be judgmental. Let's not call this a sin anymore. Let's not say this is wrong. Let's excuse everything and say we're, we're all under God's grace. It's called a cheapening of what God did on the cross and his grace. And so you say, but pastor, why are you preaching it this way? Because I want you to see that the stories that were written, they're for us. That we might grow. Watch what Jesus said about the days that are to come. In Matthew 24, he says this, and then many will be offended, will betray one another and hate one another. So he says, it's going to go from bad to worse. Notice the word offended there. Offended means to be offended with your brother. It falls into a trap of saying, you hurt me. You did something wrong with me. Therefore, I am going to what? Pull back from the church. Isn't this happening across the church? People don't come to church. Why? Oh, because someone offended me. I was a kid. They did this to my dad. They did this to me. The pastor did this. So-and-so did that. Now watch what happens when someone is offended. They erect a wall. The wall is meant to keep the offender out, but it imprisons you. Now let me share something else with you. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are what? Not of this world. They are mighty through God. For what purpose? For the pulling down of strongholds. But what if you erect your own stronghold and you refuse to pull it down with the power of God's grace and forgiveness, which is a weapon, mighty through God, for the tearing down of strongholds and taking every thought captive, what? And subjecting it to the truth of Jesus Christ, or it says this, taking every thought captive that presents itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ, so this is what's happening. You're erecting a stronghold. You're allowing yourself to be put under a demonic stronghold. You won't use your spiritual, what? 
weapon to tear that down. Therefore, the knowledge of Jesus Christ is not reaching you. And because the knowledge is not reaching you, watch, then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. Therefore, they can tell you anything, regardless if it lines up with God's word. Oh my goodness. Good preaching, pastor. Thank you. And because lawlessness will abound, what is lawlessness? That's why you have to know your word. The Bible says from John, sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And because sin keeps increasing, no, no, it's increasing. How is it increasing? How is it abounding? We're excusing it. And the reason we're excusing it is because we've cut ourselves from the knowledge of God And we've been taught by false prophets, listen to me, that you can redefine what a man is, what a woman is, what this is, what that is, and you can excuse it all and don't call anything a sin because you're being offensive and you are a this, this, and that. It's right right there. And because you're okay with this sin that the Bible clearly says is not okay, watch, the love of many will grow cold. That love word is the Greek word agape, which God uses when he wants to highlight speaking to his church. Now, of course, he's not talking to the real church because the real church will stand firm to the end. That's what Jesus says. But those that stand firm to the end shall be saved. But there will be a falling away. There will be those in a barley field who will leave and you might have to stand alone. You might have to stand alone. Why was this story written that you might be encouraged and have hope just the way God was with Eleazar? He'll be with you. He'll be with you. No, this is what we're created to do. We're created to stand with our king. Oh Lord, let everyone leave, but I'll stand shoulder to shoulder with you. I'll stand back to back with you. I'll grab the sword until it freezes to my hand. I will not let go. I will. Oh. Somebody's saying, oh, pastor, this is a lot of hoopla. That's too much motivation. Motivation don't last. Neither does a shower, but you take one. Amen? This is what I'm trying to get you to see that, hey, what this world needs more than ever is men and women of purpose. Men and women of conviction. Stiff-backed. They don't just waffle back and forth. Do you realize that all that evil needs to succeed is for what? Good men and women to do nothing. To say, no, no, I'm I'm okay with you taking my rights. I'm okay with what you say. I'm okay. No, no, I'm not okay. not okay. Come on, stay with me on this. Stay with me on this. But Eleazar stood his ground, struck down the Philistines till he, till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the troops returned. This is what's beautiful is that when, when someone stands and someone someone is empowered by the gift of God and the power of God, then it encourages others. Notice the troops came back. Isn't that what's needed? 
for churches to stand and to say, no, God's word is beautiful. And I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help you. And you're never going to get the peace you want going in the direction you're headed. No, because the enemy, he's a liar. And he's going to tell you that that's okay, but he's only tearing down your dignity and your self-worth. And he's confusing you. And he's helping you think that you're a God unto yourself. No, we're not. Only in releasing it to God and giving him our burden and taking his burden on for us, forgiveness. Taking on forgiveness and walking in righteousness can we experience real peace. The enemy's been lying to this world. Come on, is anyone... Can anyone testify to that? There was once a time when I tried to excuse myself. There was once a time when I practiced things I shouldn't have practiced. And the enemy convinced me that that was a way to peace. That was a way to significance. That was a way to meaning. But as more I went down the road, the more empty I felt. The more betrayed I felt. The more I felt I was betraying myself and my dignity was slipping away. Can I tell you, the way you find dignity is in Jesus Christ, the one who came to give you life. Come on, that's the message this world needs, amen? That's what it means to hold on to God's word. I'm gonna keep going now. The three. The Bible talks about the three. Who are the three? Isn't that cool? It talks about the 30. See, David had these, these men that came to him. Who were they? Because sometimes we think that these were great men to start with. How many of you were great before Jesus touched you? No. David is kind of a Jesus figure in a sense because Jesus would come from David's line. Now, now the Bible's not making David Jesus. The Bible is saying that, that even David, David needed to be covered by Christ's grace. But it shows us a lot of similarities and things that we can learn. You go, okay, well, where did these men come from? Well, in 1 Samuel 22, read with me, verses 1 through 2, the Bible says they were the broke, busted, and disgusted. What do you mean they were the broke, busted, and disgusted? It was a time of severe inflation. Hello. How do we know it was a time of severe inflation? Because historians tell us that during the end of Saul's reign, when the Lord had left him, the, 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 the country started going down along with the economy. And so many of the men were in debt. Many of the men were feeling the pressure of life and they were starting to struggle with anxiety and depression and needing to find meaning. And God said, go serve your king. Can I tell you, you want, you want to get out of the rut? You want to Raise yourself up and feel amazing. Serve your king. 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 So they go and they find David and they they pledge their allegiance to him. Let me show you one incident. It's in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. And David went out to meet them and answered and said to them, If you have come peaceably, to me, to help me, my heart will be united with you. But if you betray me to my enemies, since there is what? No wrong in my hands. May God, may the God of our fathers look and bring judgment upon you, right? Then the spirit came upon Amasai, 
chief of the captains, and he said, We are yours, O David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. So David received them and made them. This is how he got some of this. These guys were broke, busted, and disgusted. David was on the opposite side of the Jordan. What was he doing on the opposite side of the Jordan? He was running from Saul. What was happening during the time? There was the Jordan was flooding. Now, I've been to the Jordan. Ordinarily, it looks kind of like the Colorado. You can swim it. But what happens during the time of flooding? Would you swim the Colorado? Would you swim the Mississippi? No. But these men were so desperate to find purpose that they went after the king with all of their heart. Do you hear what I'm saying? And as they were swimming, David goes out to meet them and says, if you're not with me, I'll kill you right now. And they say, no, we're with you. We give you everything. Isn't that the way someone comes to Jesus? Lord, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I give you everything. And those were the three. And you say, okay, pastor, you still haven't explained what were the 30, what were the three. So these broke, busted, and disgusted men, the cream started rising to the top. Those that wanted to be loyal to David. And from there, he picked 30. And you know what he called them? Real, real, real creative name. He called them the 30. And you go, Pastor, I've read the list. There's more than 30. The reason there's more than 30 is because when one would die off, they would replace them so they didn't have to change the name to the 29 or the 28 or the 27. They would just replace them. And then the 30 had a special inner three. It kind of sounds like Jesus who had the inner three, right? Peter, James, and John. And he had the inner three. And you know what they were called? Also really creative, the three the three. And they did things like this. They were loyal to their king. Listen to what they did. The Bible says that the three, we read it. They were there with David when David was pinned down by the enemy garrison. And the enemy garrison surrounded uh, Bethlehem. And how many of you get melancholic or you start to long for home when you can't go home? He couldn't go home. He couldn't go home and he started long. I can remember being on a really long mission trip and I got so tired of eating the food there at the hotel. It all tasted the same. And man, I just wanted a McDonald's hamburger. No, I'm just kidding. No, I wouldn't pick McDonald's. I'd pick, but I wanted American food. I wanted, no, I wanted some, some Mexican food actually. Some, you know, some carne guisada, some rice and beans and, 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 And I started longing for it. That's what David said. I long for taste of that well. These men broke through. They risked life and limb. They brought him back a drink. Can you imagine how the king would have been moved? But I want to share something with you. When we serve one another and we serve each other, we don't honor just each other. We honor God. Because David said, I cannot accept this. It's too costly. And because it's too costly and I would cheapen it, being a mere man to accept it, I offer it to God. What was David showing us? That when we honor each other, we're actually honoring God. Isn't this beautiful? When the church of Jesus Christ honors and loves one another, we honor God. And this is where we finish. Benaiah. 
Benaiah is the, is the last one I have on my list. And you say, but who was Benaiah? Benaiah, if you're taking notes, was a priest before he became a warrior. Can I tell you, if you are a son of Jesus Christ, you become a priest the minute you're washed in his blood. Now it's time to become a warrior. Now it's time to become a warrior. Do you hear me? He served in both administrations, David's and Solomon's. As a part of David's administration, listen to me very closely, he was the head of his secret service, of his bodyguard. Do you realize that David had the most, he had the most attempts of assassination on his life than anyone, any other leader in history? How important was that position? Can I tell you something else? When God has a promise for your life, the enemy takes notice and he comes after you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Stand at peace with your Lord and understand that nothing will happen to you until he's ready to bring you home. Until he's ready to bring you home. He gets promoted under Solomon. He's the head of his bodyguard under David. He's the general over everything under Solomon. And this is what Benaiah does. The Bible says that Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kazil, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. So Moab was, was, a, was a formidable enemy. They had two warriors. The Bible says they were lion-like. Lion-like. That means they were killing machines. You know what Benaiah does? He kills them both at the same time. Can I tell you, Benaiah had a particular set of skills. A particular set of skills that he got only by trusting and walking in the Lord's strength. Can I tell you, you have those particular set of skills, but we have to hone them. How do we hone them? We hone them in God's word. We hone them in his love. We hone them encouraging ourselves to walk out our purpose. He struck down Moab's Greatest warriors. Now listen to this. He also went down into a snowy pit and he killed a what? A lion. Now I want to share a couple of things about this. It was a difficult place. You might be right now in a difficult place. It was a difficult time. Now I'm just giving you just the, the, the quick rendition because it's at the end of my message. One day I'm going to preach the entire message on this. Can you put that? Oh, I have the slide. I'm sorry. You don't have that. It was a difficult time. It was a difficult task. This is what I want you to know. Sometimes you face the worst of enemies. You face the hordes of hell. And you feel them coming against you in the most difficult place. You're between a rock and a hard place. You have no place to go. Nowhere to run. You have to fight. See, the worst of enemies in the most difficult place under the most horrible of conditions. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what Benaiah did. The Bible says he went down. Wait, 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 what do you mean? He purposely went after it. Today, Christians are running. And the only time we fight is when we get hit in the butt and we have to fight. Benaiah said, nah, I'm going towards the lion. 
Why would he go towards the lion? Where did David spend his time when he was running from Saul? In caves. The Bible calls caves pits too. So if you're in a cave with your men and you hear the roar of a lion, he's typically a rogue lion that doesn't have a pride and he's growing into full strength. A full strength lion would be over 500 pounds, can leap over 30 uh, feet in one bound and can run at 35 miles an hour. He is a killing machine. Rogue lions are so dangerous because they don't have a pride to hunt for them. They have to hunt for themselves and they always look for easy prey. You hear this kitty cat start to growl, start to roar at night. How many of you are going to let him be? I guarantee you, David looked at his men and said, who's going to go after? Come on, do I hear Benaiah in the room? Do I hear Benaiah in the room? Ladies, do I hear Benaiah in the room? Do I hear Benaiah in the room? Benaiah said, I got it. I got it. Someone else said, but it's snowy. But he's big. Aren't you going to wait for him to come out of his den? No. I'm going to take the fight to him. But he can't. You won't be able to move very. Neither will he. But aren't you scared? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God be for me, who can be against me? Come on. You say, Pastor, but, but was he scared? Listen, if you don't have, if you don't have a giant-sized dream that's scaring you a little bit, you're not dreaming big enough. Let God give you a dream. Let God present the lions in your life and then gird yourself up and go after it. Go after it. Go after it. It might be a lion. It might be two men from Moab. It might be a giant from Egypt. But you are a mighty warrior in Jesus Christ. Go after it. You say, Pastor, I don't have a sword. I'm not very... Benaiah was broke, busted, and disgusted when he got to David. And so was I when Jesus found me. But by his blood. Amen. Come on, is there someone here? By his blood. By his blood. I can be the father he's called me to be. And believe me, to be a father in this day and age, you're going to have to kill some lions. To be a mother and really raise godly children, you're going to have to kill some giants. You say, but all I have is a club. Then take that giant spear from him, run it through his heart, and then you have a spear. Come on now. Some of you are going, Pastor, you love these messages. It's time, the, it's time the church of Jesus Christ stop running. Start standing. Stand for righteousness. I love you, church. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. By your grace. I don't deserve it. But I gladly receive it for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.